What was that like to realize that you had maybe more in common with your father than you maybe realized? Um, it was a little weird because <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah. I hadn't really, you know, my parents were divorced when I was five. And so, um, that nature versus nurture kind of thing of like, well, I didn't, I couldn't have learned these things from him because he, he wasn't there. And then, uh, and yeah, it was just very eye opening. I think just to kind of understand how some of those, uh, generational traumas, I guess, kind of carry forward and, and made me very, um, cognizant of like not wanting to do that to my daughter. So, yeah. You are listening to the High Growth Founders Podcast, where we give you unfiltered truth and ideas about accelerating the growth of your startup and becoming the founder you were born to be. No fluff, no games, just straight to business. I'm your host, Casey Jones. Through my career as a coach, consultant, advisor, and mentor, I've worked with hundreds of founders on their go-to-market strategy, building an authentic personal brand, and growing as a leader. You are here for one thing, growth. And this show is dedicated to helping founders accelerate growth, period. We will dive into not only the best strategies that are working today, but discuss the biggest mistakes and failures that industry leaders have made in the past so you don't have to. So kick back, relax, and let's get into the show. Today's interview is with a founder solving one of the most interesting problems that I've seen in a while. Um, and it's, it's one that is really near and dear to my heart for a bunch of reasons. Um, but Juan Medina of Lalo, he is building a product designed to help families hold on to traditions and stories so that the younger generation can better understand what their parents grandparents went through, who they were, um, how they got to where they, where they did and everything in between. You know, he, he identified the fact that, yeah, we have ancestry.com where we have facts and dates, but we don't know anything about the story. And, um, the product is ridiculously cool. His story is fascinating about where this product idea came from and how he risked a really, really nice, stable job at freaking Amazon of all places to launch this mission and to start this, this company. This is a phenomenal interview. Really interesting guy, really interesting story, freaking cool company and company idea. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. So as always, keep listening. Juan Medina, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to be having this conversation, especially since I just found out that today is kind of a big day for you. So thank you for for taking the time to to, to talk to me. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Casey. I've been wanting to to chat with you for a while. I know we've rescheduled a few times, but I, I'm super excited to to talk to you today. Awesome. So Juan, give us a little context. Explain a little bit about what you're doing and also 
Why, why is today a big day? Yeah. So a little bit about what I'm doing. So I, I started a company called Lalo about 12 months ago. That company is focused on preserving family memories uh, in a more private setting. So things that you might not normally share on social media, meant to be kind of a kinder, gentler way to have much deeper conversations uh, with family and friends. It's been a long journey that I'm sure we're going to get into some of that later on in the podcast, uh, but kind of culminating today with a big milestone for us, which is we, we launched in both app stores, Apple and Android this morning. And so it's been, you know, just a, a whirlwind to get here, but uh, kind of this big feeling of, of relief and excitement for, for what's to come. Really, really exciting. And I, we are definitely going to get into more about Lalo because the story, this is something that I think about a lot. So my, my parents, especially for their generation, they had me and my brother quite late in life. So my father's 40 years older than I am. So next month, well, and by the time this goes live, it'll, it'll probably have already happened or be happening it's my father's 80th birthday and my mother's and my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And the whole family is getting together to kind of celebrate that. And so I think a lot about how do we preserve family stories? How do we hold on to these things? Because I don't think most families have a way of doing that. And with the baby boomer generation, my dad's technically even older than baby boomers. I don't know what the generation is before them. Uh, with with them getting getting so much older, how do how do we hold on to these things? So I'm excited to kind of dive into this this topic. But first, before we get there, I'm going to ask you the same question I I ask every guest when we first kick things off, which is to share a story about something tough you experienced that ultimately taught you a powerful lesson that led to um, some tremendous or, or foundational growth in your journey as a founder or in your career or in your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, a tough question. I think maybe really uh, an event that ultimately led to, to me starting Lalo, I would say oh, a lot of different pieces to it, but it, it really goes back to losing my father when I was... 25. Um, I'm now 43, I think. I lost count after 40. But <laughs> It's always a good sign when you can't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, fast forward to a few years ago and now, you know, I'm married. I have a now nine-year-old daughter and, you know, my wife and daughter started asking a little bit more about my background, about uh, my dad and you know I'm originally from South America, so like what was that like growing up and um you know there was a lot that i, I didn't have because it'd been so long because I'm an immigrant, so those stories are are lost in a lot of cases, and so it really got me to to stop and think about you know, what's important in life and like, how do we preserve those, those memories and stories that are so important to us and ultimately, you know, led to me starting Lalo. So I, I'd say that, that that's definitely the one that jumps out when you ask that question. Yeah. I, 
I had a feeling there had to be some story like that behind Lalo. That's not something, I mean, let's be real. There's plenty of businesses now that are recognizing the baby boomers are getting old. And so let's kind of, there's a lot of uh, financial opportunities there, but that is not the vibe that I've gotten from you or from the business. And I, I had a feeling there had to be something that that connected you to this mission and to this this challenge that families face. So I'm curious. It probably took you some time to figure out what Lalo kind of needed to be or 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 what it was. So what are some of the things that you thought about or even the conversations that you wound up having with your daughter? about your father, about your background that, that helped you get to this point of saying, Hey, you know what, there's a business here and, and I feel called to build this thing. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a view into that, that part of the journey, you know, I, I wasn't sure that there was a business there. I was like, well, I'm not sure because of some of the things that you, you kind of touched on of like, do I want to monetize you know, some of this? Is it appropriate? How do you do it in the right way? Um, plus, it, it's, it can at times be a, an emotional weight to, to work in this space. So like, do I want to sign up for that? And so, you know, part of the journey was me going back and trying to learn more about my dad, even though he'd been gone for 18 plus years. And so connected with family. He was from Bolivia. So tracked down some relatives and recorded those conversations, used things like ancestry.com to try and get some dates. I connected with his roommates from University of Kentucky, where he went in the 60s, and even connected with, um, I have a half brother um, who I met, but I didn't really know very well. And so I was able to kind of reconnect with him and learn more about his story. And so, you know, in my head, it was kind of like my dad had these different slices of his life, like growing up in Bolivia, then college, then marriage and children and, and putting all those pieces together as best as I could, you know, really gave me a view of who he was, helped me to understand him a bit more, saw some of the patterns that he had in his life. i saw in my own, even though, you know, I didn't really grow up that, that many years with him. And so, and then connected me with, with friends and family in a, in a much deeper way. And so I was like, well, that was really powerful. And it kind of gave me at least the confidence to know that, yes, there's something really valuable in going through this process. It's doable. And then the hard part is like, how do you turn that into a business? Um, but, but that was the, the launch launching point. What was that like to realize that you had maybe more in common with your father than you maybe realized? Um, it was a little weird because <laughs> I was like, you yeah. know, I, I hadn't really, you know, my parents were divorced when I was five. And so, um, that nature versus nurture kind of thing of like, well, I didn't, I couldn't have learned these things from him because he, he wasn't there. And then, uh, and yeah, it was just very eye opening. I think just to kind of understand how some of those 
uh, generational traumas, I guess, kind of carry forward and, and made me very um, cognizant of like not wanting to do that to my daughter. So, yeah. It is interesting too, because I think there's this really big shift in our generation where our parents and our grandparents just didn't talk about those traumas. So I had a I had an interesting experience. My mother, um, my mother's mother was married five times. And so my mother nev- never knew her father, um, didn't even see a picture of her father until my mom was like in her 60s when she just happened to connect with a woman that was friends with her biological father's brothers and sister. And um, we started, I don't know, just learning like lots of stories that when I started finding out about them, my mom would be like, oh, I never told you that. And it's like, are you kidding? That's, you know, and, and, and things that are just really kind of shocking and, and astounding things that these older generations, they just, you know, they went through them, but they kind of move on and they don't really think about passing on. They don't want to pass on the hard stuff. And they don't, I think our generation is starting to realize, right? These, these, we inherit these traumas and, and knowing about them helps us heal from them, helps us move on from them. Um, but it's a, it's tough to have those conversations, I think, with, with our parents and our grandparents. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're on un- very uncomfortable conversations. And a lot of times there's some embarrassment there to even bring it up. Um, you know, not all of it was, I would guess, say like traumas, but just more things that we're prone to, like, you know, even things like depression, anxiety, and like, how do you manage those things? And I know my daughter will, you know, battle a lot of those same things. So it's, it's about, you know, starting to, uh, equip her to, to deal with those things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious how do you deal with balancing the fact that you're you're solving a really emotional and complicated and multi-layered and and frankly really really beautiful problem but it still needs to be a business yeah i would say it's um it it at times you know can be can be tricky especially when when you think about you know, setting aside the emotional component for a second and just saying like, how would a business like this make money? Right. And then you start to say, well, here are the traditional paths that similar companies have tried things like advertisements, things like aggregating data. So like folks like 23andMe, right? Like you pay a hundred bucks for the test, but the way they really make money is take everyone's data and sell it to like pharma companies. Right. And so when you start to back into, well, then how are we going to make money? It, it, it limits the options because, you know, some of those things are just not on the table, right? <laughs> like we're not going to do some of these things. And so, but uh, you still have to have the conviction that, you know, you, there's, there's still value there for people and that they would be kind of willing to, to pay for the services. And it, it might mean you might not be the biggest company in the world, but that's just, that's never been my goal to begin with. So that's, you know, that's okay. When you think about kind of this, this vision, where, where do you want to take it? And I know it's early days, obviously today's a launch day, 
But when you imagine what this could turn into in three to five years today, what does that vision look like? You know, some of the things that, that I had, you know, when I started this in terms of my, my long-term vision, you know, I, I see it going a few different ways, but if I had, you know, to choose one, I would say a place where, where families can have those deeper conversations right now that our families are spread all over the world and, you know, traditional social media might not be the right place, you know, to share some of those things. So like, how do you have those conversations and how do you kind of preserve those, those more important milestones? And as we start to uh, crystallize or encapsulate or preserve those memories and, and stories in a way that we can then pass those on, right? If you think about things like Ancestry.com, you know, they were successful for up to a point, um, but it really just showed dates and connections, but it, it didn't give you that extra layer of like, who were these people? Why did they do this? Why did they come here? Uh, the things that I discovered, right, from my dad at the age of 40, I would have loved to have known <laughs> much sooner. And, you know, maybe I would have made some different different choices or, or been better equipped for certain parts of, you know, my life. And so, yeah, I think ultimately being like a human history, but like for families, you know, uh, is kind of how I see it. When I work with startups and their founders, it's usually because they know they could be growing faster and they need some help to make it happen. Almost always, my first step with them is to take them through my growth audit process to diagnose and then help them fix the problem. But I can't work with everyone and I still want to help every founder grow. So I've created the growth audit quiz, which asks you some questions about your business and your process of turning a stranger into a loyal, happy customer to help you identify where you have the greatest opportunity to take a big leap forward. So go to a betterjones.com slash growth audit and take the growth audit now. You'll also have a chance to book some time with me to review your answers and together create an action plan to help you grow. Yeah, well, and it's it's so helpful to have a greater context of who you are and where you came from. And it is interesting how these things come up. It's um my father is a veteran. He he fought in in Vietnam and he never talks about it. But I think when I was 16, I had a school project where I had to interview someone whose life was affected by war. It could be someone, you know, at home or and um my father really opened up and told me all kinds of things. And I, it is still 25 years later, a big source of contention between me and my brother, because my father has told me stories that he hasn't told really anyone. And I wouldn't have known to ask those questions if it, if I didn't have have to for school or something like that. And, and, you know, taught me so much more about my father and who he was and his relationship with his father and having a way, having something that can guide us to do that, I think is something 
we all kind of need, but a lot of us don't even know that we need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great example, the one that you just shared. And I, I hear that from different people of like, hey, I see Lalo as potentially being almost that excuse or that space to have that conversation. Because most of the time you're like, how was your weekend? What are you doing next weekend? Oh, going here, going there. Okay. Talk to you later. You're not like, tell me about the war. You're not musing about the past. And I've tried to do this with my father today. And he just, he'll give me the most surface level answers. And I'm like, you have had such an interesting life. Like I want to get to the meat of it and, and having, um, kind of a, some infrastructure almost to be able to support that I think would be tremendously helpful. So, so I'm curious, how have you approached doing the research to figure out how to do it? Like what questions to ask, how to, you know, how to support someone on this journey of trying to find these out? I mean, you obviously have an incredible personal story but how do you bring that into the business and, and, and the work you're doing from a product standpoint? Yeah. So we, you know, we looked at a lot of different sources of existing products that, that were out there, like an ancestry.com to kind of understand how they approach what they do. We talked to founders that had attempted to build something similar in the past and had not been successful. And, they were able to share, you know, some of the things that worked and did not work. Once it got down really to the nitty gritty of like, what are the questions and like, how should you ask them and where should they be? And, you know, I tried to talk to a diverse set of, of stakeholders. So uh, folks from doctors in psychology that specialize in grief, um, journalists, just normal everyday people that, you know, that as they read them, I'm like, is this offensive? Is this triggering? Does this make sense? And, and tried our best to kind of triangulate from all of those, those different sources. I, I do think that you hit on something important that it's uh, an area where we will be testing and learning, you know, over time to see what, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. It's really cool. So um, I'm, I want to take a step back from, for a moment I mean, you left a very stable and probably pretty high paying job at Amazon to start this. What was that like to say, okay, I'm doing it? How did you how did you make that decision? Because it I that had to have been a, a very big deal. It was. And it was really scary <laughs> to make that. That and, it's not, and I want to be clear, like, you know, it's not like you were at Amazon for like a year. You were there for a long time. You you had really gotten to experience, you know, your career there. And I'm sure leaving at that point was probably even more terrifying. Absolutely. And, you know, it was a long journey. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many domain names I own that I you know, <laughs> never did anything with. And you know, That's a testament to the true entrepreneur, I think. We <laughs> yeah, own domain many? names where then you look back <laughs> on it six months later and you're like, good Lord, what made me think that was going to be a good idea? Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, a few stars aligned at, you know, some, you know, that I could never anticipated, some that kind of pushed me out, some that pulled me out. And so, but I, I'd say the, the pieces that, that helped me first is 
you know, having my wife's support, you know, her saying like, Hey, you've been wanting to do this, like, just do it. And so (laughs) just having her be aligned and supportive was, was a huge one. I think on the, the financial piece that that had really been something that held me back for years and years and years of, you know, I have a family, a mortgage, you know, all of those things, like, how do I just unplug and, and make this leap? And I would say, you know, I was fortunate to join Amazon in, in 2012 and like the stock was on a, a, a rocket ship. And so, you know, got to a place where, you know, by no means like super wealthy or anything, but enough to be like, okay, like we'll be okay you know, for a year or two, worst case scenario. And, and then I would say really the thing that kicked me out the door <laughs> would be, you know, the pandemic and and the George Floyd events, which we're about to have the anniversary of, where I was like, you know, really examining my life and my career and saying, like, I want to work on something that that's important to me. We don't have that long uh, in on this earth. And I want to make sure that I spend it doing something worthwhile and that, that I'm passionate about. And so I'd say all of those things combined finally uh, led me to say, yeah, I think I think I can do it and and made the jump. That's awesome. So what's it like being a dad, a husband, and an entrepreneur? How are you balancing all of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think having that year plus at home with the pandemic of the work from home definitely set us up for like what it was going to be like, at least uh from a schedule and logistics perspective, <laughs> yeah. um, I would say I, I love the flexibility that I have as an entrepreneur where if I'm like, I'm just not working today <laughs> or, or like, Hey, I'm going to move some meetings around or like, you know, I, I'm in charge of, of the schedule. So that part's been great. I walk my daughter to school every morning and, you know, have spent a lot more time with her. And so all of that is, has been great. I, but I, I will say it has been more stressful, you know, financially at times, especially now as the economy has, has gone into a downturn where we're like looking at each other like, oh man, like, <laughs> should I, you know, go part time or like, what, what can we do in between potentially? So, you know, I'd say those might be the, the new stressors on, yeah. on our relationships. What do you think has been the toughest part? The toughest part, you know, I think a lot of the unknown of, of like, is this going to be as successful as we want it to be? When will we be profitable? When, <laughs> you know, will I find an investor or investors or not? And like, just, yeah, that big kind of unknown that, that you don't have in, in big corporations, um, and that predictability and consistency. And so, yeah, I'd say that that's been the hardest part. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about a p- pretty big uh, pendulum swing from an absolutely massive company um, to like a really, really tiny one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It couldn't be more different. <laughs> what do you think For has sure. been the most sur- surprising part? Like, what's the thing where you're like, Whoa, I did not see this coming. You know, I think that um, I underestimated maybe some of the 
all of the details that go into the administrative part of, of running a business, like the banking and the legal, the taxes, the payroll, the all of that stuff. I was I wasn't really thinking about that part of it. No, uh, you really don't think about it before you get started. And then you're like, oh wait, that I like I have to do all of that. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's not yeah. why I did this. Yeah. Or like uh start uh, an entrepreneur friend will be like, oh, you're definitely like you've done X, Y, Z for your taxes. Right. And I'm like, what, what is that? that (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, those types of things pop up every now and then pleasantly surprising though, is, you know, a lot of people were telling me, oh, it's, it's such a lonely road and you know, it's going to be very difficult because you're, you're on your own. And there have certainly been times where I've, I know ultimately the decisions and things rest on on my plate, so it, it can feel very alone. But on the other hand, I feel like you know I've found so many great supportive people and communities um, in the startup world that were not really accessible when I was in this huge company like Amazon, and so um, that part's been amazing. Yeah, I think. Uh when you can find your way into the the founder ecosystem, people are incredibly supportive because they do know how hard it is. And oftentimes they're dealing with the same thing. So they, they'll scratch your back if you scratch theirs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they've, they've been through it. They know how hard it is and they're, you know, super helpful. So, okay. So we're on lunch day. How, if people are interested in, in trying Lalo out, testing it how where do they go so the best place would be our our website so lalo.app um and there you can kind of download both both apps read a little bit more about us um but i would say that's that's the best place perfect and we'll include that link in the show notes and i know i'm about to spend some time with family so i have a feeling i will be downloading and and as I've learned, I will have to show my father how to use the app and see if we can kind of get him excited about doing this. But it's truly, it's my brother and I, my brother used to be in the movie business. We have talked a lot about how my mom's got some pretty crazy stories too, but my dad, she'll talk about them. He won't. And this has been a a mission for us. So I know we will be, um, you will at least have a family of of users here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited. Yeah, let me know. I think this this would be a good test for Lalo. Like if we can manage to have your father open up a bit and tell you some of those stories and we know we're we're on the something. Well and it's um I think I know one of the things I'm gonna do. So my when when my dad was in Vietnam and God, I felt like such an idiot when I didn't know that this was really possible. He and his father would record audio, I mean, like on the real tapes and and send them back and forth. And my grandmother threw out most of them. So we don't have any of my father's that he sent to his father. But we had some of the ones that my grandfather sent to my father. And it's like my grandfather talking about the 1968 election and, and being like, I don't know. I just think Nixon really does seem like a crook, like and hearing, (laughs) I I never got to meet my grandfather. And so hearing that was just, it was tremendous. And so I'm going to use that as an example to be like, you know, it's kind of like that. We want that, but for us. 
Okay. So I, I mean, I think this, this was a, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm so excited for what you're doing. And I think your story is a very helpful one where you, uh, because you have such a connection to what you're doing that I think way too often the stories that we hear in the kind of startup world are about someone who just came up with like a cool idea. I think it's the real, real mission-driven founders that are the ones that spark the most inspiration in others. So I'm I'm very grateful that you were willing to kind of join me and and share some of this. I've got I've got three questions as we wrap up. So first, what is and you mentioned one thing already. We'll see if it's the same thing. But what's one thing that makes you grateful to be a founder? One of the things that makes me grateful to be a founder, I would say the ability to build my own culture and, and my own team. So like hiring folks around me, diverse perspectives, and that part's been, been really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. So number two, what is a resource that you wind up recommending to founders all the time, or that you feel like has just been pivotal for you in your journey? Yeah, so I would say Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's a double-edged sword. You you can get sucked into some craziness there, but um, overall, I would say it's been huge in terms of finding community of founders, investors, and and That's being awesome. able to tell my story. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I think it's a. Uh, it's easy to look at it and only see the, the the doom scrolling aspect of it and miss the fact that you can make some pretty amazing connections there. Um, but I agree with you. It's it's tremendous. And you can learn so much. It's a little ridiculous. My my bookmarks folder of of really, really interesting threads and tweets is constantly growing of stuff that is kind of kind of blows my mind. Um, okay, last but not least. Um, if you could go back in time and tell younger Juan right before he's about to become an entrepreneur, give him some advice, what would you say? Yeah, I would say it's kind of a cheesy saying, but it just popped into my head. So I'll go with it is that kind of measure twice, cut once. There was, there's, there were a few times where I just felt this pressure to move quickly and just make a decision and go. and you know, the only pressure is, is in your head, right? <laughs> like you can go it's at whatever speed yeah. you need to go. And so, you know, at times maybe we, we built things too early that we ended up like either wasting time and money that, that were unnecessary. So I think, yeah, I think being able to, to take the time to say, okay, like it, it's okay to take a little bit more time and, and, uh, figure out the right path. I think that's a very good piece of advice because I think we way too often hear the reverse and it does put us in that position of of setting really arbitrary and unnecessary deadlines for ourselves that don't that don't actually serve us. Well, Juan, thank you so much for this. I think this is going to be a phenomenal interview. Um, very helpful for everyone. I will be downloading Lalo and let you know how it goes with my family. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I really enjoyed it. Awesome.
I hope you enjoyed that episode on the High Growth Founders Podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show of whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And look, much like this show, I love getting into the good, the bad, and everything in between. So please feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show. And consider subscribing to the High Growth Founders newsletter by going to highgrowthfounders.substack.com. You'll get the show delivered to your inbox every single week, plus stories, insights, and actionable tips from my work helping founders accelerate their growth and from my own journey, accelerating my own. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we are here to learn from one another. So please, if the episode made you think of a founder who is leveling up in their business, take a screenshot and share it with them. Okay, that's all I've got. In love and growth, I am out of here. See you next time.